Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today on the For the Bible Tells Me So podcast. My name is Riley. I'm so glad you're here. Today, we are jumping into our series through the book of Philippians called Blessings Behind Bars. Blessings Behind Bars because the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Philippian church when he was in jail. He wrote this when he had nothing to his name and he was writing it to a persecuted church blessings behind bars. And today we're talking about the community of God. Paul had such an affinity towards the Philippian church and their community. He really lived life with them and felt like, man, through thick and thin, these are my people. But when we talk about the word community, I feel like community has kind of lost a little bit of its luster. I mean, we have a TV show named after community. We have so many various groups in our society that um, use the word community. We we talk about friends and getting coffee like it's community. And uh, don't get me wrong, I love community. I love relationships. And I love coffee, don't get me wrong. But when we look at the book of Philippians, Paul is talking about community in such a deep and intimate kind of way. He's talking about it in a way that doesn't have to do with just things that we have in common. Just like, hey, we get along, we're friends, we're, we're doing community right now, right? For Paul, it's way deeper than that. For Paul, this is life in and life out. This is life on the mountaintops, this is life in the valleys. These are relationships that go through life together. Your wins are my wins. Your losses are my losses kind of relationships. So, Today, what we're going to see is that Paul has this vision for community that kind of embodies this lifestyle of joy even through the suffering because, after all, these people are doing life together under the name of Jesus. That is their main hope for moving forward in this life. So let's get right into this and see what Paul is trying to say about community. I recently watched a video on YouTube about an MMA professional fighter. And when I was watching it, it was like a training day kind of thing. It was what they call camp, where they're getting ready for weeks for a fight. And so this fighter is going through all kinds of stuff. He's thinking through his diet. He's thinking through his sleep schedule. He's trying to stay hydrated. He's trying to get his boxing in, his ground game in. Every single thing is accounted for. And in a... And to do that, he has to have a team around him. So this fighter, man, he's got his nutritionist. He's got his chef. He's got his boxing guy. He's got his grounds guy. He's got everybody around him. And not even just like around him. Like they weren't just meeting him at the gym, meeting him in the kitchen. No, these people actually lived in his house. These trainers, these physicians, these chefs, they lived in his house monitoring every single move that he made. Why? Because this man could not get ready for game day, could not get ready for the fight by himself. He needed people who were looking out for various parts of his life to make sure that his training was on point so that when he got to training day or got to fight day, that he wouldn't get just totally clobbered and get taken off guard. Instead, he'd be totally geared up, 
hydrated, and, and ready to go. Now, I think about that whole video, you know, and I think about the Christian church. I think about how we do life together, how we prepare for the biggest moments of our lives, the, the big moments when we're going to have conversations with our parents about their faith, when we're going to take that leap of faith and go to that new school or start that business, when we're going to maybe have to make the tough decision to break off a relationship or really commit our lives towards celibacy for the remainder of our lives. When we make these big decisions, how are we making them? Are we making them with a team of people around us? Or are we making them just totally by ourselves, alone in the dark? I think that for a lot of us, myself included, I've made some really big decisions in my life with maybe just one or two other people who really spoke into my life. I think about other times when I made decisions when it was just me by myself, things about my finances and about education, about career, you know, it's like sometimes it just got down to it. I just made the decision. And I'm not saying that personal responsibility is out of the question when it comes to living our lives. Like we do need to make decisions for sure. But what I'm saying is, man, how are we going about it? Who are we leaning on? Are we going to God and to his people to help us make these decisions? Or are we just kind of living the solo independent, I'll do things my way kind of style, you know? I think that Paul in the book of Philippians is trying to kind of, I mean, I don't even know if this is like his purpose, you know, maybe the spirit is just speaking to us today about this, but it just seems like he's just got this idea of the church where it is, it's camp. These people are living life together through thick and thin, hardship and victory. They are going through life together every movement of faith is done with community, which I just love so much. And I feel like when we look at this book together, specifically Philippians chapter one, verses three through four, that we see that, man, there's just this idea, like this concept of community where, man, you can go through the hardest things of life and still have joy. Even the suffering can produce joy. And so, what I want to talk to you today about is just really two main things I feel like we're going to see in these couple of verses. The first thing is this, is that a resilient Jesus community, that's what I believe Paul had, a resilient Jesus community can be unforgettable. Think about community in your life. I feel like for a lot of us, we go through this life, we go to different churches, and the communities that we're a part of can be kind of forgettable. Maybe people didn't jump into our lives like we had hoped for. Maybe we didn't jump into their lives like we should have. And things just kind of like, I don't know, you, you showed up for like a, a small group or for church service, and that's kind of all it really was. There was no like real intimacy there. There was no like gritty life, working it out kind of ministry happening. For Paul, I believe that he thought that community could really be unforgettable, that you could go through life and go through the hard stuff together, and that these would be like some of the best memories you could have. They'd be hard memories, but you remember going through it with someone else. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, Paul says this, I thank my God in all of my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy. Paul had a crazy deep appreciation for the Philippian church. Even when he was in prison, he constantly remembered their companionship. Notice that there. 
I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every single prayer. And, and when I make my prayers, man, there with joy, because when, when I remember you, man, I remember that I'm not alone, that we're doing this life together. These were the kind of people who did life with Paul. These were the people who spoke faith into his life, who gave and shared their time for him, shared their energy, their home, and their finances with him. These were the people who were in his corner no matter what. And man, I'm telling you, these guys went through everything together. Whether, whether it's prison or persecution, the church of God could not be stopped. Arms were linked they were going forward together. These were the kind of experiences that would really bond these people together. I would just ask you, you know, as we're thinking about this, people that we remember always, people who are in our prayers all the time, do you have people like that in your life? Do you have people that, man, when you wake up in the morning, you think about, man, what are they doing today? I wonder how they're moving forward in their faith. I wonder how they're doing with that big decision that they had in front of them, how that relationship is going for them. Do you have those kind of people in your life? Or do you wake up in the morning and just kind of start to think about yourself? I know I do. I know so often it's hard for me to get my mind off myself and onto my community. I think a lot of times, I mean, I'm just selfish. I'll just say that. I, I totally see that for sure. Um, I think about myself all the time. But I do think that a part of not thinking about the people around me as much as soon as I can comes from just this maybe disjointed kind of community that I myself have created. Not that it's any fault of anybody else, but I feel like sometimes I don't give my best self to my community and make myself available. And, you know, I don't feel like I always bring my issues, my plans, my concerns to the people around me so that we can actually be able to make conversation and do decisions together. I just wonder, like, is that this kind of the same for you too? Do you have times in your life where you feel like, man, I would have really loved to have gone forward in this decision with some people around me, some people who could really talk to me, cry with me, pray with me, and do this life with me. And I would just really encourage you that if you want to see that happen in your life, I really encourage you to meet with some people who share the same faith as you as the first point. Get together some people who are you know, covered in the blood of Jesus, who share the same faith, same devotion. Meet with them. Build some trust, you know, through some friendship, shared interests. You know, provide some stability, you know, show up regularly, time after time. And then I would just really encourage you, man, like when things do get big in your life, present those to the people around you. As you're building these relationships, these friendships, when you're ready, dive deeper by sharing the big moments of your life with them. And I just really encourage you to bring people into that with you, but I'd also encourage you to do that for other people as well. I encourage you, man, to look at somebody in the eye who's in your community group and say, what is it that's making your heart beat right now? What is it that's making your, your body tick? What do you want to do with your life? Where are you going? What do you hope to see happen in the future? Ask some searching big 
questions. Not everybody's going to know the answer to those questions, but as you ask them, I encourage you, pray with that person. Follow up with them. Be in their corner. Remember the dates that are important to them and go forward in helping them pursue everything that's in their heart as well. I believe, man, that as we do that, we can create these communities that are full of gospel love and correction and challenge and victory and all kinds of good stuff, even through the suffering, because, man, it's covered in love and covered in grace, covered in con consideration and devotion towards one another. Christian community should be the most unforgettable community and not for the bad reasons, right? We all have those experiences that, man, Christian community failed us. We got our feelings hurt. People made fun of us or whatever it might be. There's some real hurt associated when you jump into relationship with people, especially in the church. But I encourage you, man, to whatever your experience has been, whatever the hardship has been, diving into community, I say just take that next step in faith, led by the Spirit, trusting that, man, even Jesus, even Jesus stepped into like really tough community. I think about Jesus with Judas, you know. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, and still he loved him till death. He even called him his friend. We should not be afraid to jump into the deep end with people. If, if, if getting hurt is your main concern, if that's been your experience, I'm so sorry that that's been your experience. But let me encourage you that Jesus has experienced it right alongside of you. He gets it. He knows it. But still, even he, the Son of God, the King of Kings, willingly entered into relationships that he knew would hurt. Why? Because he had an attitude of love and sacrifice and was willing to suffer for the people around him. I think about what Jesus did for Judas, all the love that he poured on top of him, the life that he extended to him. That was Jesus' ministry, despite what Jesus Judas would do to him. I know Jesus didn't regret it for a second. A Jesus community, a resilient one, should be unforgettable. Now, the second thing that I think we see from these verses is that a resilient Jesus community can be your ride-or-die crew, okay? These can be the people who just go through everything with you. Not only are they unforgettable, but these are the people who will go through thick and thin with you. Check this out in Philippians chapter 1, verse 5. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul thanked God. He, he, he remembered these Philippian people. He prayed for them constantly. He had joy when he prayed for them because they partnered with him in the gospel. They were there. They were Paul's ride or die crew for the gospel. No matter what, the Philippian church was going to stand beside Paul and likewise with Paul with the Philippians. They went through everything together. You know, I was looking at these verses this week and, um, you know, I was thinking about the partners in the gospel. I was trying to think of like a cool abbreviation for that so we can kind of keep it in our brains. And it, this doesn't totally work, but it's pigs. P for partners, I for in, G for gospel. Pigs. So who are the pigs in your life? 
are you a pig for someone else? I feel like this isn't going anywhere. I don't know if that's going to work or not. But you know what I'm trying to say here. Partners in the gospel, that is your people. That is your crew. That is who you're going to do life with. If you want to move through life and see victory over sin, if you want to look back on your life and say, man, I'm so glad I made these steps of faith at these points in my life. If you want to make hard decisions, if you need people who will cry with you, then you need some partners in the gospel. And I have good news for you. They're in the body of Christ. They're in your local church. Even if you've been diving into your local church and you haven't found people you connect with just kind of naturally through you know shared interests or through demeanor, I'd really encourage you, man, there can be people in there that you can minister to, be a blessing to, and as you bless them, man, just through the way that God works so often, those people can then be a blessing to you. But I encourage you, man, they're in your church. Look for them. Pour your life into them because there are people who are waiting to be your partners in the gospel in Christ. These are the kind of people who will see you at your best and see you at your worst and still love you. Now, you think about this kind of dynamic of people who will go through the thick and thin of life with you, who are for you no matter what, who speak words of faith into your life right when you need it. You think about these kind of people, you're like, man, this is like an incredible person. Like, what does it take to actually be that kind of person? Like, say you want to be that kind of person for someone else. How do you start to build those relationships where you can be so mutually encouraging and be able to build each other up in that kind of way? Well, I read I read a study recently by this man named Dr. Levine, and Dr. Levine found five foundational elements to secure relationships, and he has a little acronym for it. It's CARP, C-A-R-P. That's much better than P-I-G for partner in the gospel, okay? CARP, C-A-R-P. Here's the first foundational element for secure relationship that you can find in a partner in the gospel. They're going to be consistent, okay? See, consistent. You're going to look and see who are the people in my life who don't just come in and out on a whim. You know, who are the people who are there for me? A, they're available. You think about people who can actually spend time with you. Are they actually available to even be in my life? R, are they reliable? Can I count on them if I need something in the middle of the night or throughout the day? And P, are they predictable? Can I count on them to to be the same them regularly? Are they consistent? Are they available? Are they reliable? Are they predictable? These are the elements that typically, just like in our modern world, build up healthy relationships. And I believe that these are essential to partners in the gospel. Now, why do I bring this up when talking about partners in the gospel? I would just say this because as you are building relationships with people in your church, you need to find people who meet these criteria. You need to find people who are consistent, who are available, who are reliable, and who are predictable. If you try to find someone to be your partner in the gospel and they are not one of those things for you, then you are going to set yourself up for disappointment. Now, 
I said earlier that you want to find people that you can pour your life into and that through that ministry of you pouring yourself out to them that they could, I mean, by the working of God's spirit, you know, pour back into you. I believe that's totally true. Um, But I really believe that that's true as you find people who actually have the foundational elements for a healthy relationship. So what I'm encouraging you to do is to look at your friend group. Look at your community. Look at your life group. Find the people who are these five words. Who's consistent and available and reliable and predictable? Now, if if I find somebody like that, I'm going to jump into their life. I'm going to speak into their life. I'm going to love on them, care for them, follow up with them, and pray that God would move in their heart to do the same for me. Now, in doing that, I believe that, man, we will see partners in the gospel unlike any others that we've ever found in this life, that we will find a community that is bursting with love and acceptance and with joy. This will be the people group that can move through everything in life together while maintaining a resilient faith in Jesus. This is the kind of stuff that we hope for. And I'm praying that you can find these kind of relationships. I I personally have just a few of these relationships in my life. There's not an overwhelming amount. You know, you look at my Facebook and you'll see that Riley has like six or 700 friends. And I feel like in Facebook terms, that's like barely anybody. (laughs) But, you know, you have all these acquaintances, but how many of these people are actually your partners in the gospel? How many of these people are you gonna actually say, man, they have those five elements of a stable relationship. How many of these people are going to be people that actually speak into and listen to that we actually do life together with? It's not going to be a whole lot, but I'd encourage you, man, that there are going to be some people that you can jump into their lives right now because you've seen that they are these carp kind of, you know, they, they represent the different elements of the foundational relationships, but maybe you haven't jumped into a relationship with them because you feel like, man, we just don't share enough in common. I just don't, I don't really like them as much. These feel kind of weird to me. I feel like it's just kind of forced friendship. Look, in the body of Christ, there are going to be people you come into contact with that it is not easy to do a relationship with. It's just not always going to be easy. You know, we live in this church family that's multi-ethnic, multi-generational, Lots of different backgrounds, lots of different socioeconomic standpoints in life, different political views, different musical interests, different everything, honestly. But the beautiful thing about these relationships is that, you know, even if they are just like a little messy to kind of work through, that they are all covered in God's grace. God has reconciled you to himself and through that has reconciled you to each other. That's the ministry of Jesus. That's what the blood of Jesus has done. It has brought reconciliation into our lives. So you can now have a free access to God the Father. And you can now pursue people in the body of Christ knowing you have the full liberty to pursue friendship and relationship with them. Now, just in closing, I have to imagine that a lot of us have some things that we want to do in this life. Maybe, like I said earlier, 
You know, you want to pursue a big decision in front of you. You want to maybe pop the question to your girlfriend or to your boyfriend. Maybe you want to um, go to a new school. Maybe you want to start a new career. Maybe you want to do something that's brand new that feels really scary to you. And maybe, you know, you feel just alone in that. You're looking for some direction. You're looking for some hope. You're looking for some camaraderie. I would encourage you not to run the community as a tool to help you because people aren't tools. People are people to love. But I would encourage you to still jump into community, love on those people, and receive love yourself. Be open, be vulnerable, you know, as you jump into those relationships that have the foundational elements of relationship and begin to do life with people. Just begin to experience what it's like to make decisions with other people in your corner who will follow up with you and be excited with you and who will cry with you and go through the range of experience with you. I think about just the ministry of Jesus. You know, Jesus, he had the greatest pursuit in front of him when he went to the cross. God the Father had given him this responsibility to live his life for 33 years without sin. And, and he told him, man, it, it, it is time for you to go to the cross, to pay for the sins, to be the perfect sacrifice over all sins for all of mankind. I need you to go to the cross, suffer this death in order to do it. And Jesus through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and God the Father, was comforted and was led into this huge pursuit, the most brutal pursuit that any person has ever experienced. And Jesus went through it. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was made fun of. His reputation was laid out on the line. And he died. And he was buried. But then through the ministry of the Godhead. God the Father sent the Holy Spirit to lift Jesus up out of the grave. Let's talk about some community work right now. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit coming alongside Jesus, coming inside Jesus, raising him from the dead and causing him to have this resurrected body that his disciples would see and hundreds of other people would see before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Let's talk about community. Let's talk about how Jesus was raised from the dead, not by his own power, but by God the Father's power and authority, sending the Spirit to raise him from the dead. Jesus could not have accomplished the work of the cross, the work of resurrection, and the work of ascension without community. He just couldn't have done it. Scripture makes it so clear that the Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. Now that is the power of community. And one more time, I got to ask you, do you have some resurrection power in your community? Or has it been boiled down to maybe a coffee date once a month? I'm telling you, man, as you take steps of faith with the people around you into new adventures new ministry opportunities, new relationships, new goals. That, man, as you do that with people, trusting God, being humble, 
God's spirit will do some powerful things in your life, but not only that, he will unite your heart with the other people around you. There will be a tight-knit bond. You will have a resilient Jesus community that is unforgettable and that will go through life with you no matter what it costs. So you guys, I am praying for you. I am asking God that he would empower you to jump even deeper into relationship, no matter how comfortable or uncomfortable you feel right now with relationships and with community. I'm praying that the Spirit of God takes you to the next level, not just for you, not even just for your community, but so that the whole world would know about the love of Jesus as you love one another. God bless you guys. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for being here today. Come back next Tuesday for a new episode here of the For the Bible Tells Me So podcast. Check the show notes for info about following and interacting with the young adult ministry throughout the week during Shelter in Place. We hope to see you soon.